Drop thrown. And they're chanting, trust the process, in a nod <laughs> to Sam Hinkey, who was a general manager here for the three-year run that brought Embiid, Noel, Okafor, and a slew of draft choices yet to come. When you listen to just that soundbite of the crowd chanting, you know exactly what that's referring to. You know that's referring to the trust the process Philadelphia 76ers from years and years ago. And kind of the story revolving the Oklahoma City Thunder has been around tanking, kind of molding around the Sam Hinkie trust the process era. Oklahoma City strolled into Tuesday night on a 14-game losing streak, only had that kind of you know bad start to start their inaugural year. Back in 2008, they went on a 14-game losing streak, started the year like 1-16 or something wild like that, but they were really bad, and they had to turn the corner, they got their win, and moved on. But, you know, that little tidbit has been just stored in no man's land. No one has cared about this 14-game losing streak for well over 10 years because there was no point. The Thunder, ever since that first season have just been on the up and up you know being to the finals being consistent playoff contenders and now we finally hit that reset button 14 game losing streak heading into the TD Garden to face the Boston Celtics a lot of stuff was kind of riding on during this game and you know I hyped it up in the preview definitely going to be hyping up in the game recap as well if you guys do not already know this is the Thunder Six podcast I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you guys a recap of the Thunder Boston Celtics game. So I kind of prefaced it with that trust the process chance and just kind of the backstory leading into this game. But Oklahoma City, whenever they were facing these guys, this was almost a David versus Goliath situation. However, I will say the Boston Celtics entering the game too, they were on a two game losing streak and they didn't have Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker. So they did have a couple of issues. On top of that, you didn't have Robert Williams as well. So they had a couple of excuses. But compared to what the Thunder have gone through, this should have been a walk in the park. This was going to be one of their easier games to just kind of tread along and move on. Thunder, they keep losing. Boston Celtics, they start trending upwards and try to stay in the top six in the Eastern Conference. That's not how this game started out whatsoever. Lou Dort was back in action and... Oklahoma City, they were able to just capitalize. They ended up starting the game out on a 5-2 run, even though they were extremely, extremely sloppy. They had just turnover after turnover. I believe there were th- yeah three turnovers in the first two minutes from the Thunder. Despite that, they were still up because their transition defense was beautiful. Boston could not get on the interior for any sort of stops. But then whenever the turnovers actually started ticking down, half-court Boston Celtics offense was rolling. So they got up 8-7, to seven, only for the Thunder to reply with an 8-0 run to be up 15-7. to seven, And then Brad Stevens had to call a timeout. And Oklahoma City, in the middle of the first, they already had a 10-point lead. 20-10, to 10, just because they were able to abuse Moses Brown in high ball screens. They could not figure him out because they didn't have their center in Robert Williams. And you had guys like Grant Williams 
trying to step in, and that's simply not going to work out too well. Same goes with players like Luke Cornett. So they were feasting upon that, and they looked really good. But then the Celtics hit a couple threes. Peyton Pritchard rattled down two, closer of a game, and then as the game kind of progressed to that final buzzer, it was approaching like a one-possession game. That 10-point lead the Thunder had was gone. Got shot down to two, but then Isaiah Roby hit a crazy left-wing triple as time expired to put the Thunder up 29-24, to leaning into the second quarter. And kind of the most glaring stat line you saw from that first was the Thunder, they were finding their points from three. And this was an oddity we have not seen. We've seen them get skunked because they failed to make shots. And on the other side, they can't defend the three. It was different. They had more points off of threes than they did in the paint. They had 12 points off the threes. They hit four of them. And they had 10 points inside. So this was kind of, you know, the start of a game where you could tell something was a little bit different. This was not the team we saw the day before just the last month or so where they keep just losing game after game and for reference I mean it's because you saw the three and in the last one on Monday 20 of their first 26 points in the first quarter came inside so it was just totally different on where they were finding their shots and it was kind of a breath of fresh air if you want to call it that but moving on into that second quarter you saw both teams kind of shift back to the inside. Both of their first three made field goals came around the basket. And then Oklahoma City, they broke that streak with some free throws. But that was still coming off a shot that they were taking inside. So that was clearly the point of emphasis for both teams to start things out. But Oklahoma City, they started kind of branching back out of that. They hit a three and they got on a 5-0 run to take an 11-point lead pretty quickly. 41-30. to about three minutes inside, and then everybody just stagnated. Nobody was making buckets on either end. Probably say to the nine-minute mark to about the six-minute mark, there was nothing. Just seven points combined across the two of them. Four points for the Celtics, three points for the Thunder, and it was because none of them could, you know, hit the side of a barn. OKC went 0 of 5 in that span. Boston went 2 of 8 in that span. Only thing that saved the Thunder were the free throws that they were able to accumulate just during the game, but whenever they got out of that little cold streak, Boston got right back to what they did in the first, just slowly chipping away at that lead. They got an 11-4 to run to slice it back down, and they were able in that time to hold the Thunder to an 0-9 stretch, so they went 0-5 to begin with, tack on four more, and now you're talking about a tight one-possession game yet again, but then... What happened was the Thunder, they started kind of working right back against them. Lou Dort, he hit one of, an, I think it was an and one. Yeah, he hit an and one, and it just started a flurry of baskets. You got two more in there, 7-0 run, and it helped them stay up 55-49 to at halftime. So this was just your typical kind of close contest, but the Thunder, they were kind of winning for most of that first half, it seemed like they had complete control of the game. We've never seen that. You know, typically whenever they're winning for a little bit, it's like a brief moment and you expect it to go away. But both these starters and the bench unit were just in total cohesion together. They were really strong and, you know, they kept stringing together the runs. So they looked like they were in the driver's seat leading into that second half. 
and it was really of the narrowest of margins. It came from the free throw line. When you're talking field goals made and three-pointers made, they're about neck and neck. The Thunder, in the first half, they made 18 field goals. Boston made 19. And then from three, Oklahoma City hit, you know, five of their 18 from distance, while Boston, they hit four of their 19 from distance. But the free throw line, just so much disparity here. The Thunder got to the stripe 17 times in the first half, hit 14 of them. While Boston, they just went 7 of 8. So that's 7 points picked up at the line. And, I mean, that's all. That's what that's going to do. You know, because you already compared the 3-pointers the made. Free throws, that's what saved them. And on a typical day, you know, having a performance where you have 17 free throws overall is not amazing. But once you start going into, like, the low to mid 20s that's a pretty good game like if you hit 25 free throws in a game you're gonna go into the locker room pretty happy about that stat line 17 you know you can get a little bit higher but you know above 20 that's a, that's about average and any more above that that's really good so the fact they were on track for 34 free throws entering that second half meant a ton and it meant that you know if they weren't able to get the scores and the conversions easily they had kind of a safety net and just bumping into players and letting the refs do the rest for them because that's what was going on and that was the bread and butter that they could just keep picking right at and yielding some good results for them. But to start out that second half, what you saw was another little mini run from the Thunder. So they closed out with that little 7-0 spurt. They're going to get a 6-0 spurt to start out the third. And it was through a Lou Dort and Pokashevsky 3 just two in a row, Boston could not really get that response, and it was back up to 11 points, and it took the Celtics till about six minutes to finally start making their shots, and they were able to start doing it because of some of the turnovers. You saw Teo Maladon turnover turned into a Jalen Brown and one layup on the other side, and next thing you knew, it was a two-point game, so they kept whittling it down, and that was just the cherry on top to the point where, hey, the Boston Celtics could actually end up taking the lead, and just a possession later, they tied it at 69, and then a minute after that, just as I said, they took their first lead since around that first quarter, and it was 76-73, to 73, 2 minutes, 55 seconds to go in that third, but that was when the real momentum shift was kicking in, because Jalen Brown was on fire, I think he had 29 points in the first three quarters, Peyton Pritchard was really good too. But Jalen Brown was unfazed, and the Thunder couldn't knock him down. So it seemed like as long as he was still getting the ball fed to him, they were going to get, you know, what they needed in points. And they actually kind of gave him, you know, cold turkey to close things out because they only had two more points in the final 255. The Thunder, they only had five points, but it was enough to not at all at 78, entering the final 12 minutes of the contest. So this was how you knew it was a nail-biter. This was not just a game of, I, I would say, back and forth. It was the Thunder would get on a push, but then the Celtics would chip and chip and chip, and the Thunder would get on another kind of run again. So they had the momentum. They never gave that torch off until the very bitter end. But it seemed like with that closing 5-2 run, they might have had some, some sort of an edge heading into the fourth. And to start out the fourth, it was really interesting, kind of what we saw from both sides, because... Brad Stevens and Mark Dagnall, they elected to kind of use hybrid units between the bench 
players as well as the starters. Lou Dort was out for the Thunder. Jalen Brown was out for the Boston Celtics. I believe Marcus Smart might have been out too, but you know those are kind of the two big ones. So your two primary scorers for both sides were just completely exited out for the, about the first three, four minutes. So you just saw the benches kind of go right at it. And at first, it kind of seemed like business as usual. No one was going out to a major lead or anything. And this was kind of the biggest... I guess, run, you could say. It was a 6-0 run by the Thunder where they hit two straight threes. The second one, though, was major. 32-footer by Ty Jerome. He did it again. When he is in on it, you got to let him just shoot it from wherever he wants because he felt it. He knew it was going in. And next thing you know, the Thunder, they were up two possessions again with a four-point lead. And it seemed like it was going to be kind of done from there because they got that little run again, and now they're back in the driver's seat. You could kind of see the Celtics not having great offense. Like the whole game, they were just desperately trying to find open shots. Everybody was bricking all over the place. So there was just not one main person. And with Jalen Brown out at the time, it was difficult for them. But somehow they still kind of pulled it out because... There was a crazy, I think it was like a three-pointer or whatever, but it was a super high bounce, and the ball was pretty much going to be in Oklahoma City's possession. There were about three guys surrounding the basket and only like Luke Cornett remaining. He somehow like punched the ball midair. I don't think he intentionally even tipped the ball in, but it went in, and then you saw the Thunder kind of just go back down, and you know you're, now you're going back to let's play a little bit of back and forth. And you saw Jalen Brown come back in. He had five straight points. And next thing you know, the game's tied back up at 90 points again. And just a play later, Marcus Smart split some free throws. And they're up 91 to 90. So there was not kind of a a main guy for the Celtics during that run. It was kind of just chucking stuff together and trying to find things that worked out. But it was good. I mean, they got the W, or they had the lead at least, not the W. And Oklahoma City was now on that side of trying to find some offense because they did get a little bit short on who they were going to. And they found the two sophomores in Baisley and Lou Dort for a 7-0 run. So Dort, he hit a catch-fire triple. Baisley drove in for two easy lay-ins. And the Thunder, they were back up six points. And now it seemed like they were good again. But, um, you know, you saw the Celtics with their wild offense and Luke Cornett again of all people shot like a blanketed 18 19 footer at the free throw line Isaiah Roby was all on him I think that's who was guarding him but he didn't have an inch of space and he just chucked it up there so nonchalantly seemed like it'd be like a front iron that'd be that but it somehow went in and then on the very next play Luke Cornett somehow got another basket this one actually came pretty easy he just set a high ball screen for I think Peyton Pritchard no help um, on the way down for him and Pritchard threw up a pretty nice lob he slammed it home and now you're talking a different ball game again because it is getting close and you kind of just saw this game in cat and mouse continue just on and on until around I think it was like the three to four minute mark here but Oklahoma City they caught fire and yeah there's two minutes 55 seconds left but they got extremely, extremely hot, 
and it started right back up with Ty Jerome again. So I mentioned how he hit a 32-footer in the opening run for the Thunder. The 29-footer helped the Thunder get up double digits. They were up 106 to 95, and they seemed good. It seemed like, you know, we were done here. Unless the Celtics got a ton of crazy points together, there was not going to be an issue. And as time kept ticking, you know, get to the two-minute warning, one minute, 30 seconds, one minute, the Thunder were still up double digits. And once you got to that point, as mad as you are being a tanker, there was some closure here. So you were done, and there was not going to be any issues. You're just going to walk away with the win. The streak is over. That's that, and, and we're good, okay? And that was the acceptance phase because I was on the phone. I was talking with one of my friends, um, Nick. He's been on here a couple times, but we were kind of on the phone during the game, and I don't know. He was not really screaming, but I was, like, screaming at the TV. I was getting a little bit heated at, you know, this little – this little run, but around that like one minute mark, it's like, okay, not much can happen here. Game's done. That's fine. But of course, the show just continued to keep on going and going. So seemed done for. But then that door just opened right back up for the Boston Celtics. And it started with the Jalen Brown really wacky left corner three. He was contested as can be. This guy was pinned in the corner, fading backwards. Like, this has taken a page out of Kobe Bryant, damn near. And he somehow switched it. So, seven-point game. It is what it is. I think at the time it was like 1-0. Um, nah, yeah, it was 110 to 103. But it was good. And on the very next play, you get a bad pass. And right on the other end, you chalk it back down. Five-point game. And now it's getting a little bit tense. Probably around like 40 seconds left at this point. And on the next drive, Darius Baisley gets it, a little bit of pressure, and as he crosses the timeline to evade contact, tries doing a little bit of a spin move with the ball, tries doing a dribble spin, and just like you're taught in second grade not to do, ball bounces off his knee, and it's free, and on the other end, what did you see? I think it was Marcus Smart who ended up corralling the, um, the loose change there, and he just took it all away. And now you're talking a three-point game that shouldn't have even been in the equation to start things out. So I think it was um, like 40, yeah, 48 seconds remaining, and it's a three-point game now. So of course, you have to be a lot more careful with what you're doing here because you're not trying to mess any sort of things up. So on the next play, what did you get? You got just you know, throw the ball in, let's charge up the floor, Lou Dort got it, kicked it up the court to Darius Baisley, and it was just like the parting of the Red Sea, nobody was caving in on Bays. he just had a wide open go-ahead dunk, he took it, and the process took around nine seconds off the game clock, and they're up five points again, and then on the next play, you saw the Boston Celtics get hacked at the line, Peyton Pritchard got up, hit both of his free throws, and with 30.8 seconds left, it's still a three-point game, 112 to 109. The Celtics, they were still good to go, and the Thunder, they opted to advance the ball. They called a timeout, and ball went in to Teo Maladon. 
Now, he was kind of pinned. You know, the ball got inbounded like the left sideline, so around the left hash. And Maladone's pinned um, just a little bit. So he probably has like a good five feet of room behind him before he touches the, the backcourt tape. But he's getting trapped, and he's getting trapped by, I think, Smart and maybe like Pritchard. But Smart's the main guy. Anyways, they're trying to trap him, and he got fouled. Marcus Smart got his arm, and Teo got to the free throw line for two free throws. Now, this was just the most boneheaded move I think I've watched like the, this whole season. I don't know if it's Marcus Smart's fault, if Brad Stevens told him to do that. If that was the case, Brad Stevens needs, he needs to get fired, but you know, there's like six seconds left that you're going to be able to work with. And assuming they drain the clock and there's like a three-pointer, you got like five to four, you can try to advance the ball. Or if not, just get it, go coast to coast. You'd still be able to find something there. You're only down three points. But yeah, you get that foul in. And I mean, if Maladone hits like one or two of those, the game's pretty much over. So he went up for the first, nailed it, went up for the second, nailed it yet again pretty much seemed over you know five point cushion and you're talking just a little bit over 24 seconds I think there was 28 seconds remaining but it should have been done and the Celtics they had to call a timeout and they just kind of went into a half court set I believe it was Pritchard up top with the ball but he was working inside and he was slashing in for a two and Lou Dort right behind him just straight up clotheslined him so smart foul because it was going to be an easy layup anyways Jalen Brown though he got up and hit both the free throws so now you're talking 21 seconds remaining and the Thunder they're not calling the timeout they want to go full court with this basketball and what you saw was kind of a three three man play here I think it went to Maladone first off the inbound and they were trying to trap Seemed like they might have gotten it, but he was able to throw the ball almost like a football pass to Darius Baisley at the timeline. And Baisley, you know, he was kind of surveying the floor for a little bit. You saw the Celtics kind of move up on him. You got you had three guys in the very backcourt and two guys kind of hovering around the two wings, and they advanced up to Baisley as he got to that timeline. And right below the rim was Isaiah Roby. They forgot about him, so Baisley just had to kind of lob it up to him. And he caught it, bang, bang, play, just standing dunk, up five points again. And now when you're talking the time left, there was just like 17 seconds left. Evan Fournier, he tried hitting a three, didn't go in. Maladone got the rebound, ended up with Lou Dort going to the line again and getting some, I think, one free throw to go. But it seemed done. I mean, six-point lead here and just minimal time remaining. But then the Celtics came back out and Jalen Brown splashed another left corner three again to trim it to just three points with 5.1 seconds to go. So all that was necessary was a clean inbound here and the Thunder, they pretty much punched their ticket. And they had Ty Jerome inbounding it from the left sideline. As long as he got it in, we're good here. But he tried lasering it through. There were no options. And right around the left corner was Darius Baisley, who had Evan Fournier on him. Baisley's clearly bigger than Fournier. Fournier's not a big guy. I think he's like 6'5", 6'6". Baisley's 6'8", 6'9". 
and his wingspan's like seven foot, so he should be good here. But as the ball goes in, it's like a bounce pass. Take a little bit extra time, I guess. But Evan Fournier did like a swim move around him to get the ball, and he recovered it. And with a three-point game, seemed good. But um, Darius Baisley, I think almost inadvertently fouled him as soon as he had the ball. And they were in the bonus, so it was a pair of free throws for Fournier. So he went up for the first, drained it. And on that second shot, this is another kind of coaching preference here. You're down two. There's 3.2 seconds to go. Do you make it and then try to foul again? Or do you miss intentionally try to get the offensive rebound and scrap up some sort of field goal? He wanted to go with the ladder and off of it, he shot the free throw really really soft on the release like when you're throwing these you need to be gunning it at the front iron so it can ricochet back didn't do it just kind of plopped on the back iron fell off pretty gracefully and Isaiah Roby ended up with the ball got fouled hit some free throws and that finally takes you to the end of this game which took over 25 minutes to recap And out of those 25, probably 15 of them came from that fourth quarter alone because of how jam-packed it was. This was a game that, you know, you needed to see to kind of believe. The amount of emotions that was in this one was insane. The Thunder kind of had this from start to finish. Um, But, you know, the Celtics still seemed to kind of sneak in there every once in a while for a couple quick jabs. And it lasted for the entire 48 minutes. Like, the Thunder clearly outplayed them. If they would have lost the game, they would have deserved to win this game. But, you know, as a fan, you would not be mad about that because it would have meant our lottery odds would have been strengthened. But, you know, it is what it is. So they are done with their streak. Flip the page. They're on a one-game win streak now. The Celtics are on a three-game win streak. Um, Lottery-wise, though, this one does sting a little bit because now the Thunder are two games behind the four spot. And they are half a game behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, who play tonight. If they lose, it's back to a deadlock for the five and six spot. This is not what we wanted, and it's kind of it's kind of tough because if they would have lost this game, you are saying that the I think the Thunder would have been like half a game back of the four spot, and a game behind the third spot. Maybe it would have been one and one and a half, but you get my point. They would have been off the chains from the Cleveland Cavaliers and they would have been up and running against the Pistons and the Magic it's not like that anymore and with 10 games remaining it might not be enough but this was a game that I guess ideally you know in a situation where you're going to win one it hit all the positive spots the young guys they were good Lou Dort had 24 points Darius Baisley had 21 points and he got 13 of those in the fourth Roby and Jerome they had 15 apiece and Pokashevsky, he had 12 points and went 5 of 12 and just looked super confident when he shot the ball. So there were good pieces. The best part of it all, though, was the defense. And they had two guys in Jalen Brown and Peyton Pritchard who could not be stopped. Brown ended the game with 39 points, shot 13 of 26. Pritchard, he had 28 points on 9 of 16 shooting. But outside of those two, No one could make a shot on the Celtics. They win a combined 19 of 55 when you exclude those two. That's 34.5%. That is garbage for NBA competition. And overall, the Boston Celtics 
only ended up going, I think, 42% on the game. Yeah, low 40s for them. So they had much better nights. And to top it all off, they went 11 of 49 from three, 22%. And these shots were wide open, wide open, but nobody could convert. Marcus Smart went one of 10. He, she shot, he shot four of 17 overall. Evan Fournier shot two of nine. They brought him in as a sharpshooter. And then you had Pritchard. He shot four of 10. That's all right, but that's still, you know, with 10 shots, kind of a little bit wonky. And then you kind of stack upon the other guys who, when you combine them all, it's not too pretty. Romeo Langford, surprisingly, he played. He went 0 of 3. Grant Williams went 0 of 2. Aaron Neesmith, who they selected in the first round as a sharpshooter, only shot one attempt and missed. So everyone was getting attempts here. I think out of, um, what was it? I think they had like a 12-man roster in this game. Uh, no, it was 11. Out of that 11-man roster, all but one of them shot a, a three. And the one who didn't was Jabari Parker. He only played five minutes. So the distribution was crazy, but none of them could hit a shot. And it's because partially them just being freezing cold, but the Thunder were not putting them in very good situations anyways. The shots that were falling for them were very hard to come around. So defense got them the W, and the offense kind of just uh, was there the whole way. But when you look at how the Thunder did from an analytical perspective on the game, they were good. I mean, from all three levels, they were solid. They shot 48% from the floor, from three. This was the big one. They shot 13 of 30. That's 43%. And the main one, just like it was in the first half, was from the foul line. Got 36 tries up, sunk 28 of them. That clearly has to be a team high for them on the season. 36, that might be a, a season high. I have not seen anybody get that many free throws. And it was a lot of love from the refs, but they were putting themselves in really good situations. They were just charging into players. And whenever there was way too much coverage inside, you just had to kick it right back out. And someone was going to be there to hit a three down think the made one obviously it was ty jerome he went six of ten for his 15 and went three of five from downtown he just has limitless range we kind of have understood that based on the past week but he keeps just looking so so damn impressive and teams cannot figure him out because how he just plays almost you know separately to how the thunder play he doesn't need to be just pillaging through screens and hitting people on drives doesn't need to be fast slashing the basket just stay conservative if you find a shot you like you take it and you live with the end result and that's what Ty Jerome has kind of just embodied lately but um yeah outside of him it was a lot of free throws and Lou Dort was spectacular he got to the line 13 times hit 11 of them and Darius Baisley he got to the line six times only hit three of them, but he was still really just trying to force himself into the interior. So that's kind of the main ticks you get from the game. Just everybody helping out to to get to the uh, the better cause here. But there were a couple slip-ups, and it was from turnovers. This was still a clumsy game that 27 of them only had 25 assists. And this was kind of just the rule or the law that I just poofed out of air like two weeks ago. If you get more turnovers than you do assists, you're going to lose the game. I was wrong on this one. I had to eat my own words. Thunder got it done, but it's because how amazing they were 
just defensively and how you know they could really trust in anybody this game to really get them points because you know you could talk all you want about the three-headed beasts they had on the starting unit with Dort, Bays, and Poku but talking about the bench with Roby and Jerome having 15 apiece um Williams had eight Sfee had six and Tony Bradley had four you're talking about 48 points coming off the bench they were just as effective as the starters were almost and in the prior games only one of them or the other was kind of working together they all were great and that's why they ended up getting the victory here but I just want to speak on uh really just Roby they talked to him post game and he deserved to have that post game interview I don't know if he was the number one guy through and through but given the circumstances of just being forced into a small ball five roll it's got to be difficult, but he just manned up and was amazing. Grant Williams could not hold him. Luke Cornett could not hold him. He was playing to their size, if not even taller. Ended up getting seven rebounds on the game, but mainly it was just how he was able to work at the perimeter again. And I've talked about how in the last game, I think it went 0 of 5 from three, and they just didn't want to guard him. They didn't need to put a hand on his face. He wasn't driving effectively. He was pretty much useless out there. So you could have a guy stack in the box down low and you would have been good. But it didn't work that way. He was staying outside on the perimeter, setting screens for others, and forcing the Celtics kind of move up to his zone and allowed him not to just hit one three, but he also drove in, collected four free throws of his own, made them all. But then he had those beautiful plays under the basket like the end cap with the standing dunk where he could go five of seven throughout the whole entire night. So he was crazy efficient, just as Jerome was, as I said, going six of 10 from the floor. And just everybody was on on fire. Darius Baisley, I'll tell you right now, in the first three, I was not impressed. I think um, with, yeah, 13 in the, the fourth alone, he only had eight heading into the fourth. And with playing 38 minutes in the game, he was looking close to 30 minutes already. So he did not look that impressive. It looked like he kind of lost a step. But he really kind of came up when it was necessary. And I think the whole entire unit did. Teo Maladon, even Chris Fisher and Michael Cage were pointing this out. After his two free throws, he was emotional. And we have not seen it from him. He's kind of just straight-faced the whole time. It's all business. You see it with Poku, too. Not a lot of emotion. But emotion was just seeping out of these guys. And it's finally because they got that losing streak over with. Lou Dort said post-game that he found out yesterday, um, right before the game, that they were on this historic losing streak. These guys just don't check um, media, I guess, because that's kind of just been the talk about them. That's been the ongoing storyline. But he found out about it, and he told SGA that it was going to be snapped. It was going to be snapped. He had it handled, and he was a man of his word. He got the job done, and same goes with a lot of these other guys. I think even Roby said he didn't even know what the streak was it might have not been Roby so don't quote me but I think it was Roby it's like he didn't even know he's kind of go in and you play and they were just really excited to get the win there and they just kind of move along into the next one but yeah this was probably their best performance clearly we've seen in the month maybe um past this month maybe since we've seen the all-star break I would say the ones where we've seen Teo and Poku just go off might go above this 
But as an entire grouping, this was the best performance because he did get the kind of platter from everybody where they got a little bit of the spotlight. And I think especially this one means a lot because of the kind of play we saw from the bench too, because it shows how much is left in the tank for these players. And they're all under 25 years old. The only exception is Kendrick Williams at 26. But outside of him, everybody's super young and they just have a ton of budding potential finally able to crack it in this game and they're going to move on to Thursday against the Pelicans with a full head of steam and they're going to be playing in the Chesapeake Energy Arena to top things all off but just a beautiful one as I mentioned this was a game where you at least I was actively kind of almost rooting for the Celtics because of the draft implications I've joined that club now I'm definitely on team tank just as you guys probably should be you know if you want to just played the long game here with the franchise. But, you know, you can't be super sour with the result because of what we got to see from from the young the young guys. So you're going to be able to see them, see everybody else. Maybe even Deck. I'll talk about him in tomorrow's episode. But we might see Deck in the game. Um, so get ready for that. Get ready for all the other storylines heading into the Pelicans game. And I'll keep you all up to date on that. But other than this recap, guys, that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See you.